from Creative Force. I'm Daniel Jester, and this is the e-commerce content creation podcast. This week, I'm joined by Kimmy Snow, lead stylist at Show Labs, the Denver-based commercial product studio. In this episode, we discuss the daunting task of creating a style guide for a brand or retailer. In e-com product photography, the style guide is basically standard operating procedure and a critical part of doing production photography at scale. But as I learned during a recent presentation to my product photography students at Art Center, it can be a challenging thing to understand and build in a way that works for all parties involved. One of the big things, I think, is making sure that all the teams that are involved with those products are on the same page, right? And that where these products are going to be living, it's continual and it makes sense. And when you search on a website pants, regardless of what brand it is, it's clean and it looks, you know, consistent. So that's something that I feel like always kind of factors in. And when you're with a larger company that has a lot of different brands and a lot of different clients, but all that imagery lives on one place, you really wanna make sure that that consistency is there, but that there's also room for those variables. Hey, right around the time that we recorded this episode, I posted on LinkedIn about running a Photoshop edit log through ChatGPT and some of the cool things that you can learn about a Photoshop file and the retoucher who worked on it. So if you have a chance uh, when you're at a computer or not driving or out for your run, Head over to LinkedIn and check that out. It's pretty interesting what I was able to kind of discern through ChatGPT from this Photoshop log of the edits that were done to an image that I was working on. So that's it with the intro. Now let's talk to Kimmy Snow of Show Labs. This is the e-commerce content creation podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Jester, joining me for this episode. What's your new title at Show Labs, Kimmy? I am the lead stylist of Show Labs. Lead stylist at Show Labs, formerly of Bass Pro Shops. Yep. I was their senior stylist at Bass Pro Shops. And we spent some time together floating around Nordstrom, Amazon, various other places. Long, long history of working on set together, you and I have. Yes, we do. I miss it. <laughs> First of all, welcome back on the show. This is like your second or third time. Yeah. Somewhere in between because you did some Halloween episodes with us. I have been thinking a lot about style guides because I'm some part of the way into my first semester teaching at Art Center. I think we're probably about halfway, halfway through the semester. And I am learning a lot about what product photography students need to know to get acquainted with product photography and sort of the general concept, but then also what it's like to work in product photography today, you know, whether you're going to go work in-house for a brand or for a commercial studio like Show Labs or as an independent photographer and where you're going to focus on. And one of the things that I've been trying to develop some kind of an understanding with them around is the style guide. And it turns out it's a little bit harder to explain to somebody who has no idea what you're talking about than I had given it credit for because it's just something that's been part of our lives for 10 plus years. Yeah, totally. And so, you know, the way that I kind of broke it down for them is that it's a, you know, it's a set of instructions and those instructions are both centered around the aesthetics of the imagery, but then there's also usually some like technical information that you need to know. And when I say technical information, I mean like how many shots do we shoot for a given product What do those shots look like from that? You usually have, sometimes you have contained in there like 
specific camera angles and different uh, ways to identify how you're going to shoot things. But then there's also this whole other element, which is styling. And I think a lot of like building a style guide for a brand sort of needs to be centered around how things are going to get styled for a brand. And this is one of the things I got kind of tripped up explaining to the students is like, you're not only thinking about the technical stuff, the stuff that photographers love to think about, how many shots, what's the crop, how am I delivering these? But also like, at what angle do you see this product? From what angle is the camera? How, if it's a garment, if it's an accessory, how are we styling it? Who even starts to think about this stuff? Like who, and I, I'm explaining to them, it's somebody's job. Somebody at any of these companies that you want to work for, it's their job to sit down one day and say, I'm going to come up with an entire new style guide for the way that we shoot things across the entire organization. Where would you even start doing that, Kimmy? One of the big things I think is making sure that all the teams that are involved with those products are on the same page, right? And that where these products are going to be living, it's continual and it makes sense. And when you search on a website pants, regardless of what brand it is, it's clean and it looks, you know, consistent. So that's something that I feel like always kind of factors in. And when you're with a larger company that has a lot of different brands and a lot of different clients, but all that imagery lives on one place, you really want to make sure that that consistency is there, but that there is also room for those variables. When we're talking a cargo pant versus a legging, you know, something that's a cargo pant that you can do a nice pinup that looks very clean, a legging might look better on a body, might look better on a mannequin, something like that. So being able to pay attention to those fabrics in addition to those details and what those selling features are and laying that out. And then, you know, it's a lot of back and forth with different teams to make sure that the way that you're seeing the product is how it's going to be read, you know? Right. And the way that you're styling the product and that you and your photographer are styling the product makes the most sense on set as well. From like a production standpoint, meaning like, what are we able to do with the tools and time that we have? Yeah. And when you break it down by shot count, if we're saying all of our tops are only going to get two shots, we're not going to go super heavy on details. Well, then we have a jacket that has a hidden hood. And how do we need to showcase that? And how do we catch that before we're on set? when the assistant has already steamed everything and now we're going back and having to make that call quickly, you know, so how do we have visibility to all of those products beforehand, before they get on set? How do we know all the details beforehand, before they get on set? And then who are those key players that need to be in that meeting to figure out what shots make the most sense and what makes most sense for product flow? Yeah. So first and foremost, if we were going to sort of identify a customer-centric workflow around how to tackle this thing. You covered a couple of things that I think are really important there, which is first and foremost, we need to make sure that what we're the decisions that we're making are readily able to be understood by our customer in the imagery. I think you made a great point that like how we perceive the things that we're touching and styling and working with in the studio, we add a lot of depth to that image when we're looking at it without giving a lot of thought to, is the customer going to come to the same conclusions without having the information that I had, which is that I held the thing in my hand. Right, exactly. Exactly. And, then, and how do you get that across in just images when you don't have those video shots? 
so going from like, we've got the customer sort of advocacy part of it, which is like one of the root things is like, we have to make sure that it's easily digestible for the customer. And that sort of necessitates the other thing that you mentioned, which is separation then of categories. We have to start to figure out how we break down our overall product assortment into specific categories. And then a lot of ways, those categories those categories are largely going to come from your merch teams because they have categories that they work within, but they're going to have to get sliced and diced down a little bit smaller because now we're trying to take into account what's the best way to shoot this thing. So right. like you use the example of like jeans versus leggings or a cargo pant versus leggings. Yeah. And so while those might be categorized as bottoms within your merch team, that's not specific enough for us to start to build out a meaningful style guide that makes sure we're giving our customers the right information. So now leggings probably is its own category, like you said. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not cargo pants don't have their own category, unless you're talking about it gets extra detail shots that you don't want to do for other areas. But again, we have to start to think about we can't get too complicated. If yeah. we were using something like Creative Force, a lot of that complication can be built in and it becomes less of a concern. But if you are managing your style guide in some other way, which is reliant on people looking up the information or just memorizing it in some cases. I think most stylists generally have their style guide memorized by the time they've been on yeah. set for a while. If that's how you're managing it, then you don't want it to be too specific. It can't be too you can't be too granular. You can't be going down to the point of saying for this specific color of pant, we do three shots versus two shots or whatever. Right, exactly. And I think that's something you have to take into account when you are creating these style guides. For Show Lab specifically, we create creative kits which are in part our style guide for that specific client. And so we do have different branded creative kits that we cater to that, let's say gloves, for instance, has been a hot topic lately. Some clients have filled gloves where we're using a a human form hand. Some have flat gloves, some are shot straight up, you know, and so being able to learn those kits and write them out as style guides, but then also be able to translate that to contractors coming in and make sure that it's not confusing for them, you know, writing all that down. Yeah. Gloves is is one of those sticky categories that I feel like there are often not great answers for that. I don't think any, I think gloves is one of the categories that you have to accept that some of them are going to be outside the bounds of a style guide that you can cover accurately, you know, like they just don't fill out well or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Yeah. And being able to write into your style guide, that flexibility when needed, you know, and and maybe not every single page has check-in with merchandising or check-in with buyers or, you know, whatever, but has that enough flexibility to when something doesn't match what the style guide says you have that availability to be able to make that call as photographer and stylist on set to make that transition so that it makes sense and it reads to the customer well. So we have this customer-centric perspective, which is that we need to break down to at least enough individual categories to define the style guide for to make sure that we're giving the most accurate possible representation of that product across as big of a chunk of our offering as we can, like 80%. Ideally, there's going to be some things that are going to be weird and there's going to be questions and we just have to deal with that. Amazon had a, what we called in hard lines. I can't remember it was called default or something, but Amazon basically had a catch all style guide that was like, if you can't find this thing anywhere else in the style guide, just do these three shots and move on, Uh, which is, I think a totally fair way to sort of handle that. But so going back to it, you've touched on a bunch of other things too, which is what is feasible in the studio and what is feasible in the studio. 
there are a lot of elements to that. Like we mentioned, from the shot count, the time that we have, the tools that we have, the types of equipment that we have. And I, I think you also touched on an important one, which is how hard is it going to be to onboard freelance talent, given how complicated our style guides are, which is a real thing. It's a consideration that I don't know if many people start with that thought in their head when they build their style guides. But I can tell you that the leads in the studio definitely know whether or not it's hard to train on your style guide. Yeah. And it can't just be that that knowledge that one person has over the years. You know, it has to be able to be trainable and able to be, you know, whether it's a document that you're reading through and it makes sense, um, whether it's, you know, your lead stylist comes in on the first day and is training you through these products, you know, whatever it may be, it has to be able to be transferable in that way. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's, you know, again, I don't want to touch on creative force too hard, but I think that's one of the value propositions of creative force. And I think like show labs being a creative force customer, you experience that pretty well, which is that one of the great things about working with creative force in the studio is the, how little you have to go over style guides up front with your team. Certainly I think it's smart to like, especially for freelance stylists, looking at it from an aesthetic point of view, you want to have that easily available, but the key difference when you're shooting is that that style guide is presented to you at the moment that you're shooting that thing. So even at show labs, let's say you just have one set that's just shooting technical jackets all day. You don't even necessarily have to sort them by brand or client if you didn't want to. I don't see a reason why you'd intentionally mix them. But the point being is that it's the style guide's just going to show you. Creative Force is just going to show you the images that you need for that thing that you're shooting. It doesn't matter who the brand is or what the client is or which style guide it's attached to because it's just giving you that information at the moment that you need it. And that definitely helps eliminate that confusion. And then you can use your, from Creative Force, when you scan that item in, see how many shots it needs, you know, where you're shooting it, and then use those more detailed style guides that show, you know, that break down what those detail shots are if you don't have that loaded previously. Yeah, I think one of the things that's really interesting about this is there's an element to this, and I'm, I'm curious from your perspective now being with, with Show Labs, this was a project that we were working on at the commercial studio that I worked at right before COVID together. It was actually, we started working on this like around Christmas time before COVID, which is that we at the studio realized quickly that we we needed to help our potential customers know what they needed to come to us with. Because we would get a lot of requests from pretty qualified leads, like small brands that had a fair amount of product and maybe they had a little bit of budget, but they just had no idea. Like they hadn't given any thought to how do we show, like, do we show our product on a model versus a flat lay? Like we definitely had people come to us who hadn't even thought about that. Some people definitely do, you know, some brands do, but we realized that we needed to have what would be really helpful to customers coming to us that hadn't that hadn't gotten to the point where they explored all of these different things they need to answer for when they want to get a photo shoot done. Like, for example, what am I delivering to you? Like, what's the pixel ratio? Is it square crop? Is it 2000? Like all of that. So we make sure we cover all of that. But then what we were working on, you and I, was sort of a grab bag stylist, more from a product styling perspective, part of the style guide, which is like, okay, let's say you're a denim brand. Here's four different ways that we could style and shoot your denim brand on figure or off figure. And 
you had done a lot of work around thinking about like all the different types of apparel that you see and what you'd want to think about. And I think you, again, to use your excellent example about the coats, like you could have one style guide for coats, but a technical jacket that has like 17 features right. <laughs> is information very a customer is going to want to know. Yeah. Very different from a sport coat. So yeah. And like, understanding how, something needs to how a garment needs to wear especially right now getting into a lot of like the 90s fashion is coming back when it's a wide leg versus a flare pant versus a straight leg and making sure that the team on set that's styling that has that information readily available so that they don't over manipulate something or under manipulate something and misrepresent that garment when they're on set i think you brought up something incredible about like bringing in these new clients and these new brands and them not really knowing where to start. And a lot of times people will bring in an example of something they've seen and show it to you. And there's kind of this beautiful training that has to happen between client and production team to train these brands on, you know, they're saying that this is a flat lay, but I know that it's a pinup, you know, Mm, when they're showing us that. And being able to kind of dissect those images that they really like and that they want for their brands and how can we give it to them in a realistic way with our specific production types. Yeah. Because also the speaking to the education part of it, yeah. There is it's very hard to understand unless you've worked in product photography, like what went into making a shot that way, right? And like and and there's a tendency, and I think what you said, by the way, about having that's always been the go-to for me. If the client comes in and is totally has like doesn't have an answer for any of the questions that I have, you identify that quickly, and then you say, "Okay, can you just show me some examples of some? Yeah, what's some, something you like? What, what do you like? Like what, what, you, what do you aspire to? Yeah. yeah, and then we can start to kind of work backwards from there. And like you were saying, that's where that intimate knowledge of understanding what it takes to pull off a shoot in a certain way because. You and I together, Kimmy, have worked on a lot of shoots that were intended to be perceived as super carefree, super off the cuff, that were very, very strictly planned out, executed to an absolute like precision of, of getting all of the product shot and the amount of time that we had because all of this sort of functions on we have to deliver those images within the time that we have or the studio's not making the money that we need to make and the client's not getting the images they need at the time that we need them we have to talk about all of this stuff up front. We can't figure it out as we go because then no one's going to end up very happy. Yeah, and that goes back to understanding client needs. It goes back to understanding the garment needs, the details, and being able to wrap your mind around that and create a document, which is your style guide, right? It ends up being your Bible. It ends up being your go-to. It's who you're sharing back and forth with client. Um, It's who you're presenting to your contractors. It's really the heart of your studio when you need it to be, you know? Mm. So in our sort of like talking through breaking down this process, now we've got, you know, we've got the customer's perspective. We have a sense of what it might take to get this work done because we're experienced studio professionals, but maybe now it's time to actually, I guess, run a test shoot. And like, you know, we've, we've made some decisions. Let's see what it's like to actually shoot these things. Let's see what it's like for, you know, for example, like the on model workflow, like start to kind of build up from there and say, we think this will work when we look at it a product by product basis, where are the hiccups coming up now? And we're trying to like 
move through a rack of product in a certain amount of time. And it's just a test. You just book your teams, run your shoot, run the test, and see where you end up. Having those test days are so important. And whether it's booking contractors to come in and run it, or it's your in-house team running it to make sure that it makes sense, to make sure that it's doable, you know, to just check those boxes that what you promise to client is actually a realistic deliverable. Yeah. And you and I have been, we were just chatting about this the other day on the phone, you and I have been catching the late train out of <laughs> out of the city yeah. after, you know, some days, because the thing is, is just is, full run, run Rudolph home run, alone status, yeah, through, sprinting to our yeah, train sprinting because through we had to get station. the last shot in. Yeah. More than once we've jumped through the doors as they were closing, it felt like. But part of that, again, is like, and that's one of the challenges I think that like you at Show Labs run up against. One of the challenges that we at Conveyor ran up against that was a pretty mind-blowing thing to tackle when you consider like our background also in-house. We're like, you know, not getting the entire set done. It wasn't the dynamic of the clients only here till the end of the day and then they're not here anymore and the product is gone and that's it because that's all we've covered. You know, if you absolutely had to have carryover because a meteor hit the studio in-house, you know, it wouldn't right. be that big of a deal. You could you could explain that and it's just you're more handling it internally. But that was, I know, a dynamic at Conveyor that it was really important to me that we set the right expectation up front that can we actually shoot this amount of product with this client, because I don't know, I don't know intimately about how Show Labs works, but I'd say about half of our clients at Conveyor would just ship us product and we'd just shoot it for them. And they weren't, you know, it was very production oriented versus we had some higher touch clients too that would have their own art directors, sometimes their own stylists. There, it was more of like a day or two of production where they can really change the pace of things. Like you may not be able to run at an e-com pace when the client is there going over every image with a fine tooth comb. You have to be realistic about what's doable. Right. And I think that is show labs. Definitely. We have a balance of that, of clients coming in and sitting in all day and, you know, giving us their blessing, giving us their okay for those certain shots, those certain stances that the energy on set, things like that. But that is those times where scheduling the production really comes into play of, we know this team is going to be in house with us. So we are going to extend this day instead of an eight hour day, we're going to do a 10 hour day instead of, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of factoring that into our decision so that when we're shooting through those items and we're shooting through those important items, when our clients are in house, we're getting the okay. And we're getting, you know, so that the rest of production, if we do continue shooting, if they're only there on day one or, you know, drop in whenever, we not only do they feel good when they leave, but we feel good going forward that there's not those questions. You know, we're eliminating that from from the style guide. In that case, that that does bring up kind of an interesting question when you have clients on set about how does the style guide then come into play? Because I know like there's definitely clients that we had at Conveyor that we knew what shots we needed. We knew we needed a front back and like a, a detail shot. I can't remember exactly the shots that we called out, but from an aesthetic standpoint, you are sort of sometimes at the mercy of the client. We had a really hands-on client that shot a lot of women's tops that were made out of a lot of different fabrics. Mm-hmm. And they had really specific style about how they liked to present those tops. And so we often would book a stylist. You worked on, I don't know if you, did you ever work on model for that client? 
Or did you stick to the I worked side by side. I think there was a day we were shooting model and flats at the same time. So was was there for the energy and was there for kind of the feedback with that team, but was primarily shooting the flats. They would bring in for on figure, they would bring in we shot both flats, like we we did technically we were doing pinups, but the presentation was as as flats. We did it the we shot flats the Amazon style where you had them upright. Yeah. And the on model, that client often would bring their own stylist, which was actually like I think I, I wanna say that originally we were a little bit on edge just because only because like you know how it is like we had stylists yes. that we trusted that we knew that would be there yeah. on or at or before the call time that were good for producing the quality of work and at the pace that we needed but then we said okay you know what they want to bring their stylist they have a lot of specific styling needs we just have to make sure that we've talked about it up front that like the plan is to we're going to work at this pace and we need everybody to be on board with that and it ended up working out i think really great because this was a stylist that they used a lot over the years and definitely understood the work and understood the pace. And we were able to find that balance, which I think is an interesting way to go about it when you're shooting on behalf of the client. Because then again, not so much of that aesthetic choices need to be defined in the style guide up front. You're not at that point, you're not really working off of a style guide as much as you're just kind of like, here's the selects. Totally. I think you touched on a really great point there about having your plan in place, regardless of if it's someone outside coming in, if it's contractors coming in, if it's your in-house team, people really underestimate those, you know, five minute conversations that you have before production or those check-ins right after lunch to make sure that everybody's on pace and that it's not in a negative way that you're checking in. It's not an aggressive way. It's just to make sure that there's so many key players when you're on set, right? And making sure that all of those people know that they're doing a good job, know that they maybe need to speed up, know that they're, you know, on pace, all of those things, and that we're not having to go back because we're missing details from the style guide or we're, you know, going too quickly to where we're not following through and not checking those details and all of that or going too slowly, unfortunately, uh, you know, because we have a hard deadline that day. One last thing before we wrap up, Kimmy, I really loved the conversation that we had, I think, last year around the holidays about like holiday gift guides and that kind of thing. This year, the momentum socially, like on social media and stuff, is like we are jumping both feet fully into Christmas the day after Halloween. And so I'm just curious, I don't particularly subscribe to blasting through the holidays as fast as possible, but I am curious to know... Is there anybody, I, I don't know what kind of conversation we're going to have around gift guides this year, but I'm curious to know from you, is there anybody's that you're excited about seeing? I don't know if you've had the opportunity to work on any. It, seem, it seems like you may have missed it potentially in the time frame of when you joined Show Labs, but I'm curious to know if whose holiday gift catalogs are you excited to get this year? Oh, I'm going to have to think about that. We have had... Like you said, we've had a we've had a busy couple of months relocating to Colorado and joining Show Labs team and all of that. And so this was probably the first summer where I wasn't in Christmas mode from July until January. We did go to an outlet mall yesterday, which was very fun to walk around. So there were some nice like designer fun window displays and things like that. Kate Spade was something I was really looking forward to. Fossil, something I'm looking forward to. 
Hmm. Crocs had some really fun things. I think they're coming out with really fun holiday designs and they have like an elf croc and mm. things like that. So, so I'm looking forward to those, I think, yeah. to name a few. But I can't think of any larger companies right now that I'm really interested in, but I have just been running a mile a minute right now. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. No, it's understandable. Um, speaking of Fossil, I'm talking to somebody for the episode after this one, I think, from Fossil. So I'm going to ask them if they've got any insight into what their holiday gift guide is going to look like. But I, so yeah, we've gotten the toy catalogs came really early. I don't know if they came early, but they came a while ago. I haven't really looked through those. I've gotten, I mean, I always get really nice mailers from REI. I think REI does a really nice job using like various flat lays and things in their thing. Yeah. One that did jump out at me was the King Arthur baking catalog, which is always like the, the King Arthur baking catalog is a kind of a joy to get. It's, it's not like a Bon Appetit magazine. You know, it's still ultimately, it's still a catalog. It's still a shopping catalog, but they have a lot of really good information in there and really nice photography and this year's, you know, some interesting choices, I thought, uh, but really nice. Like, I really, I actually, one of the things that stood out to me was their cookie cutter page, which I thought was a really nice way to, to show that and make it kind of fun. But yeah, I I am, I'm trying to think of a, like, how to kind of construct an episode for the holidays this year around the gift guide thing. Because that was, I thought that was a good conversation that I think it was you and and me and Charlotte Cole had around gift guides. Or was it, yeah. um, or was it, was it Charlotte or was it Lauren? It was Lauren. Yeah, and then that's right. Then the episode we did with Charlotte, I think Lauren was on that one also. So anyway, I uh, we'll, we'll find something fun. We'll find some reason to talk about, even if it's just to pick a handful and review them like we did last time, which was, I thought, a pretty fun episode. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. I know. I'm trying to, trying to revel in the fall right now while the Aspens have changed. We have one in our backyard that's starting to. Hadn't gotten the memo yet. So that's been fun to to watch that go baking apple pies and yeah. enjoying our first snowfall was right before Halloween. So that was really That's fun so for, crazy, my, yeah. for my, for my snow flurries. They were yeah. in the snow, the snows um, in the snow. Yeah. Yes. It's they're very snowy winter for the snows. How many puns yes. can we get out in the last 40 oh, seconds? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I always thought that the two most beautiful States I've been fortunate to drive, do a road trip from basically coast to coast, broken into two different legs and uh, it was Tennessee and Colorado are neck and neck for like, and, and the thing is, is I didn't go through Tennessee late enough in the fall to experience it, but I was driving through Colorado right as we were like, right gaining momentum sort of at the beginning of fall. And it was really a, a, just an astonishingly beautiful place to drive through. Yeah. It's been fun driving into the city for work and I hit a part right at my, where my skyline is skyscrapers mountains and just like fall forest yeah and picture perfect yeah yep. every now and then all there's three modes hot air balloons flying above and it's just it sounds like a know. puzzle that you'd buy at costco you just described <laughs> really the costco does. puzzle oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> all right kimmy got going on yeah yeah i wonder what well i'm talking i think we're gonna have shauna from costco on the podcast so i wonder if they've got anything fun going on for holiday yeah i'll talk to shauna about it all right, Kimmy. Well, thank you as always for uh, your time and your expertise. Great episode. You know, we could nerd out about style guides for a long, much longer time than we did today, but I think we'll leave it at that. We really could. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, we're back on for a little postscript. I'm going to have Calvin drop this. Should I have him drop it in at the very end or before the outro? Maybe before the outro. You don't. You don't think she'll listen all the way through the outro? She might not. <laughs> 
your mom listens to past podcast episodes, so you want to do a little shout out. She like doesn't understand what you do for a living and finally listened to a podcast episode. Yeah, shout out to Darlene. Mama, I love you. Thank you for always supporting me. And thank you for listening to mine and Daniel's podcast. I hope you're you're following along as best you can. <laughs> Amazing. So, so funny. funny. Hi, Darlene. <laughs> Oh my goodness. That's it for this episode of the e-commerce content creation podcast. Uh, just that little that little tidbit at the end there. That's uh, a hello to Darlene. So I don't know I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast before, but Kimmy, uh, Kimmy and I have worked together for a very long time. I can't remember if we've mentioned on the past episodes that she's been on that she's actually my sister in law. So Kimmy's mom, Darlene, is also my uh, my mother in law, and so she listened to our podcast episodes and told us that she didn't know what we were talking about, but we sounded very professional, which I thought was a great compliment. So thank you, Darlene. Many thanks to our guest, Kimmy Snow, and thanks to you for listening. The show is produced by Creative Force, edited by Calvin Lands. Special thanks to Sean O'Meara. I'm your host, Daniel Jester. Until next time, my friends. Hi, Ian. Hi, Ian.